This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Bokertov, Anthony, how are you? Bokertov, let's start quickly with a little bit of lighter and better news before we get into the heavy stuff. Yeah. And I want to talk about a Druze restaurant called Nur, which is located in the uh, village of Julius in northern Israel. Nur is a restaurant that has been open for approximately a year. And of course, um, in light of the war that is ongoing also on the northern border, there are a lot of IDF soldiers located in that area uh, where, the, where, the, where the village is and of course where the restaurant is. And in the last week or two, the owner of the restaurant applied to the Rabbanut for a license of kashrut for the restaurant and having been granted the kashrut license has now decided to provide free kosher meals, mm. free packaged meals to IDF soldiers and evacuees uh, who are around that area. And I think that this is an amazing gesture on behalf of this particular restaurant. Um, of course, the kosher food will be Druze style kosher food, typically Drew's kind of uh, food, um, but I think this is an amazing gesture and really works well in the Yachad Nenatzer, together we will win, this is a, a real sign of togetherness, so I wanted people to hear about that because there's some amazing stories of people really going that extra mile under these tough circumstances in order to somehow um, help each other, even though the connection might not all be all that obvious on the face of things. I also wanted to talk about a conversation that was held between an IDF officer and a resident in Gaza. This was a conversation that was recorded and released by the IDF spokesman, uh, a conversation in Arabic uh, by an IDF officer who asked the Gaza resident about the aid that is entering the Gaza Strip through Rafah, including food and drink and medical equipment, diesel and gas. And in the conversation that is held between this Gaza resident, who we don't know who exactly it is, but it's an IDF officer who obviously um, is a, a, an Arabic speaker and is trained to try to deal with the local community as much as is possible. In that conversation, the uh, issue of the uh, aid um, is discussed and the fact that the aid is not getting to the people who really need it and the fact that um, Hamas seemed to be controlling everything. So the officer asks this Gazan resident, didn't you try to talk to UNRWA about Hamas taking over the aid? The answer that comes back from this Gazan resident is really telling. Yeah. Sir, he says to the IDF officer, UNRWA officials are Hamas. 
that is the words, those are the words of a resident of Gaza about what's happening. So the um, notion that UNRWA is this independent organization, of course, paid for by the United Nations, um, really is brought under the spotlight in that conversation when the Gazan resident says, UNRWA are Hamas. Anthony, you know, this explains the context of what was happening in the schools and the indoctrination and this just incubating this hatred for Israelis, incubating the hatred for Jews. And uh, that's been going on certainly since Hamas um, came to power 14 years ago. Did it predate? Undoubtedly. Did it predate Hamas coming to power? Do you think? Um, I think that the indoctrination and the uh, education to hate goes back a long, long, long way. Yeah. Uh, and I think that we can find it um, from 1948 and even before in terms of hatred towards Israel. There is little doubt that the Arab countries who were enemies of Israel at the time that the state was created in 1948 were all indoctrinated and educated to hate. There is that inherent hatred and that still exists when we see that the so-called peace treaty that we have with Jordan, and I say so-called, but I shouldn't say so-called because it is a peace treaty and it has served a purpose. But when you see the attitude of the Jordanian people, or even for that matter, the Egyptian people with whom we have a much closer relationship, there is still an element of uh, hate that exists on the street level. And that must come from education, either formal education through the school system or informal education through it being passed from generation to generation. There can be little doubt that the, because these people who are now um, rulers in Egypt, many of them were not even born at the time that the state was declared in 1948. So why is it that they have this inherent dislike, hatred, call it what you wish, for Israel? It must come from somewhere and there must be a reason for it. Yeah. And, and the reason largely is because they've been educated to feel like that. Interesting. Anthony, of course, it also, throws a, it also throws a light on the amount of money that has been poured into the Gaza Strip by the United Nations over the years and has reached Hamas in order to allow them to build out their military infrastructure. Let's forget about the aid that's going in right now. Let's talk about the last 15 or 20 years and the, the money that millions and millions and millions of dollars that have flown in through aid money through one form or another. You discussed it the other day, Cathy. Yeah. Um, and is being policed by UNRWA. And here we see this statement which says, UNRWA is Hamas. They are equal to each other. Um, and I think that that's extremely, extremely telling. It really is. And I've said for years, stop the aid money to Palestinians and you'll have a state, a Palestinian state tomorrow because then it's not serving the purposes of the leadership who, are, who don't even sit in Gaza or in the West Bank. They sit in Qatar. It's, it's, it's a mind. It's an, it's an anathema. Um, Anthony, let's just talk about, um, you know, this, the northern border and what's been happening there. It's been getting very, very active. Um, very concerning. Yesterday was, yesterday was probably the most active day of the war so far on the northern border. Um, Hezbollah claimed to have fired 30 rockets 
towards the Mount Dov area and also claimed to have fired 30 rockets towards Kiryat Shmone. In the end, um, it seems as if though there were some 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 explosive-laden uh, drones that were launched towards the Mount Dov area where a number of Israeli soldiers are currently located. There were no reports of any injuries um, in that area, even though things became a little hairy and quite dangerous. Um, but in the morning, at around 10 o'clock in the morning, there were about 18 rockets that were fired towards the coastal area of Roshanikra. We understand that at least six rockets were intercepted, several others fell in open areas. But later in the day, and there was another barrage that was fired towards the city of Kiryat Shmone. There were apparently, and it depends on which reports you read, I heard four rockets that landed in the city. I also saw reports that there were as many as six rockets that landed in the city. They caused damage to residential buildings and caused damage to some infrastructure. But fortunately, no injuries were reported. And the large, the main reason for that is because Kiryat Shmone at the moment is largely uh, um, uh, devoid of people because people have evacuated that area. So unfortunately, um, there were no injuries reported, but certainly a massive uptick in uh, the activities along the northern border and Hezbollah um, claiming to be extracting some revenge for events that um, Israel has been involved with, apparently including um, the uh, the hit that was um, taken out on the um, representative of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard in Syria. <clears throat> also, a number of hits that were made on quite some more senior individuals within Hezbollah um, in Lebanon. And uh, the Hezbollah organization decided that they needed to take out some revenge. I think what was also quite important was that the IDF Chief of General Staff uh, Lieutenant General Herzi Halevi was on the northern border yesterday for an assessment of the situation to see what the IDF plans for the northern border are and he spoke with the, uh, the, the chief of the northern command who is Major General Ori Gordon. They, they had a meeting uh, around the Tzfat area yesterday and uh, Herzi Halevi declared that the IDF is ready for any events along the northern border. The plans are in place and that they are ready for anything that may take place along the northern border. But clearly there is a, a further escalation, a noticeable escalation that took place yesterday. Anthony, President um, Biden, he spoke to the Emir of Qatar. You know, we keep hearing Qatar and we see that uh, the Hamas leaders are sitting in Doha. That is where their headquarters are. They lead these unbelievably lavish lifestyles. The amount of money flowing into Hamas coffers for the leadership, not for the infrastructure in Gaza, for the Palestinian people, um, is it's just enormous. What is the role of Qatar? I mean, what is the, the connection between Hamas and Qatar? Qatar are playing a very, very interesting and potentially dangerous game in all that's going on at the moment. Let's start with the fact that the U.S. is very reliant upon Qatar because there is a massive U.S. Uh, military base located in Qatar. So the U.S. and Qatar formally have relations, quite close relations. They have this military connection. 
um, and there is an agreement that has been reached with the U.S. that that uh, the U.S. will protect Qatar in the event that Qatar needs any level of protection in case something might happen. So we have that relationship which is going on in the background and which allows President Joe Biden to initiate a call to the Emir of Qatar, Sheikh Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani, that's the Emir of Qatar, and it was um, uh, apparently President Biden who initiated this call to him to talk about what's happening in Gaza. Now, Qatar's relationship with Hamas is also unequivocal. As you mentioned, not only does Hamas leadership have their lavish offices in Qatar, uh, but Qatar has been funding Hamas to a massive degree and also playing a different role. Um, Qatar, from time to time, sends its ambassador with hands with massive wads of notes, money in his hand to Gaza to hand out to citizens of Gaza. This has been ongoing already for a number of years. Every once in a while, we hear about the ambassador of Qatar turning up in the Gaza Strip and handing out $100 bills to all the families that need money. They also um, channel money through local authorities in order to hand out to needy families. So Qatar is playing every possible side of this conflict. And by the way, I should also add that the head of our Mossad, the Israeli Mossad, has been in Qatar more than once over the past two months to discuss with the Qatari authorities about ceasefires and about releases of hostages and about deals. So even though Israel doesn't have any formal diplomatic relations with Qatar, the head of the Mossad has been in and out of Qatar quite a few times. And we've also had Qatari officials coming to Israel to talk about this. So Qatari, Qatar is really playing all sides of this particular aspect it's not really clear what their interest is are they interested in war are they interested in some sort of a ceasefire are they interested in appeasing the americans are they interested in trying to help hamas are they interested in trying to develop relations with israel it's really unclear to me at the moment exactly which direction qatar are going in except for the fact that they seem to be trying to keep everybody friendly with them and somehow that's kind of not going to work in the long term so I think they're playing not only quite an interesting role, but also a potentially dangerous role. And the question is, where is this all going to end for Qatar? Which side of this fence are they ultimately going to fall out on? Yeah, Qatar not not so favorably thought of amongst the Arab world either. Anthony Reich, thank you very much. That is where we leave it. And I say thank you very much for uh, just being so resilient. I wish you Shabbat Shalom and uh, look forward to speaking to you on Monday. Have a good Shabbos. Stay safe. God bless. Thank you, Anthony. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all.